welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? And Derek, a lot is going on. Um, so we should probably start with names, titles, and where we are, just because there's a lot happening and there's a lot to discuss, especially in today's environment. So you want to introduce yourself, my friend? Well, I'm uh, Dave DiTulio, and I'm the owner of Defense Incorporated. And uh, we've been around for about seven years, and uh, we just, for guys like us, there's not a lot for us to do outside of that skill trade. So uh, <laughs> this just felt more natural for me. So being in the firearms industry and, and training is kind of what I've been doing for the past seven years. So. What were you doing before then? So I, I did a number of things. Um, I was in the military, uh, 10 years in the Navy and 13 in the Army, and uh, got, the, got the joy of traveling all over in beautiful places. And then... Um, Recently retired in, what, 2015, I think it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in between there, I had time with the Department of Homeland Security. So I did uh, the behavior detection uh, officer job. So, oh, cool. Yeah, that was, um, it started originally in Israel at the LL Airport. And it worked so well that they, uh, in response to 9-11 and the Boston Marathon bombing, um, they decided to bring those that training, that philosophy here to the U.S. And so I was in one of the first few airports that they, they started to develop that in there. And so I went through the training with Dr. Frank and Paul Ekman and some of the big names in the industry who did that. And uh, it's been phenomenal. But uh, I still hang out with these guys, still go out for dinner and, and uh, meet up with them. But, yeah, pretty cool. That had to be a wild experience. Totally not what I expected. You know, before I even got into the military, I was a rock star. So I don't know many people know that. But uh, so <laughs> I was born and raised in in uh, in the Air Force, and my dad wanted me to get into it, and I was like, No, man, I'm good. I want to want to be a rock star. <laughs> well, I'm not a rock star. So uh, my grades in school proved that, and uh, and so I had to come up with another option. And so I joined the military, and after that, when I got into Homeland Security, it was just another thing that I didn't expect to to get into but when this opportunity came up it was pretty cool so what does that actually entail the behavior what was it again the behavioral what so it's behavioral behavioral analysis okay so or i was a behavior detection officer so there's over 132 uh behaviors i memorized uh and then they were broken down into stress fear and deception so you're just reading us like crazy right oh now. totally right now <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll, we'll be talking so. <laughs> but so you know the best way i describe it to people because it's really hard to kind of comprehend mm -hmm. what i'm even talking about you know um there's leakage in your behaviors, right? A normal Coke can, if you just sit it there, uh, it's fine. You can open it, no mm -hmm. problem. But if I'm looking at you and I'm shaking it and I slide across the table, you're going to have uh, questions about opening that, right? Because it's, it's under pressure. And that's what your body is. So when your body, if you've just murdered someone or you're about to do something, you can't afford to get caught, uh, whatever that might be, uh, we're designed to see that leakage. So it's like you're under undue stress. So a normal person, you guys are totally chill right now, so I have no concerns. You know? <laughs> oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah, or I'm just been out of it for too long. Right, now, but, yeah, really. But uh, no, no. So that's, um, that's kind of how that works. And so we are trained to look for those things. And I mean, I started out, I had to look from like the head to the toe. Yeah. So I'm looking at people like this. You know, you know how creepy I look when I'm at my age and I look at people like that? But uh, So were you just like studying people that had normal behavior and then studying an actor that's like pick the person that's stressed here or like how how do you even train for something like that it's that's actually a good question um so there's a so we we basically get a list of behaviors and then we break down each behavior and we talk about what what um what that looks like gotcha and what normal is and when does that exceed normal and it takes in a lot of different factors mm -hmm. so once we sick of being upsold at gyms 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Once we learned all the behaviors, I had to memorize them. So there was no sitting there looking through a paper or anything like that. It had to be memorized. So that was a tough one right there. Sure. And uh, there's points associated with it. When it reached a certain level, then we had to, it was my job to interview you basically, and you're not supposed to know it. So we had to be able to hide it. So I took a interviewing and interrogation courses uh, through McLaughlin and uh, learned technique of soliciting information from people. Uh, which is great, by the way, for my daughter's boyfriends and things like that. So <laughs> It's an art form. It really is. Trying yeah. to gather information from somebody just by, like, casual conversation. Yeah. And you get, you know what? You guys are really good at it when I watch you guys, which is all the time. You guys oh, are awesome. Thank you. But uh, this would be a very short podcast if you didn't know how to talk to people. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so. Close-ended questions versus open-ended questions. You sure. Know? And it's being able to draw stuff out of people. What was the – sorry, one more question around behavior. Just because I – so I studied forensic science in school, and the – like, he, that you know, means really, he's qualified. Now. I was also That's manager of tops. So <laughs> let, let me tell you a little bit about yogurt. I took a um, class. <laughs> yeah, but like that behavioral analysis and everything like that really fascinates me. So what was a behavioral or like a behavioral characteristic that was difficult to memorize or to solicit some sort of evidence from? To, difficult to memorize. You know, it's, it's really not that. I guess that's the weird okay. thing to say. It's because it is literally a list. And um, it made sense as you're talking about the hard, you know, the hardest part of the job was as I'm talking to people, trying to make it look like you're I'm not, not talking, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I could be sometimes I could be uh, a passenger and you see me in the parking lot or I could be sitting next to you at the airplane or I am in uniform and I got to make it look like I'm not picking you mm-hmm. out of whatever like that. So we'd be looking and if like two of you got out of the same car and we caught that you went to Southwest and you went to American Airlines on two different planes. At some point, you're going to talk to one of us. Sure. And that's kind of how that worked like that. But the hardest part is maintaining my cover of whatever it is uh, and being able to continue to watch for those behaviors. Sure. And, uh, and then keep that math going in my head. So if it reached a certain level, we went, we just skipped, skipped uh, right to, to law enforcement of some sort, you know, depending on what the issue might be. That's wild. And so everyone has uh, what's called a trip story, right? So you being here. Uh, if I were talking to you, you had, you, there's, this all looks weird, but when we start talking about, you know, it starts to match with what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. That's part of your trip story. Um, the equipment you have matches with what, what you're telling me, like that kind of stuff. And I tell people there's a, there's an example of like, I'm talking to you at the airport and you're telling me you're on a trip to Orlando. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to go to Disney world. Well, you're in my mind, I'm looking at you cause you're wearing a suit. And you don't have bags with swim clothes in it and stuff like that. There's floor plans in it. There's all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, so now you really got our attention. Mm-hmm. But through our talking, we find out that you're actually on a business trip to Orlando. You're not traveling with family. And you're going there because you're developing some new building or new game or new ride or something for that park. So then all of a sudden it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are the type of things. Maybe it's a, maybe he's going for a, you know, a big proposal. And if he doesn't, if he comes back without getting that that job then he could lose his job and so there's a lot of a lot of stress that's going on in there so we we try to associate you know at what level this this person's a risk that's cool it's it's crazy because you go from that 
to your other background where it's always looking at hands. Mm-hmm. You look at hands first to see what threat is. Yeah. And then you're going up and down to figure out like, can I take this dude? <laughs> and then and then you find out you're like, I don't know if I could take that guy, but I can look at his hands and then I know his body's going to follow his head. Mm-hmm. So what's that transition from the that whole dynamic because I mean, we haven't even talked about the business yet, but this is just the benefit of a long-lasted, long-winded podcast because you were balancing identifying behaviors and people that were complete strangers at the airport, the military side of things, which is its own can of worms, but then also your personal life with your wife and kids and paying your mortgage and then balancing that and then intermittently buying a new toy and making sure it was okay with the wife. How did you balance that for so long? Uh, First, I had an amazing wife and daughter who totally understand (laughs) that dad does his own thing, right? (laughs) You know, the hardest part at home in my home life is that my eyes are always going. So I've learned that when I'm working with my friends and stuff like that, we call them friends because we've just been together for so long, but when we're working together, um, even though we were in a role of being civilians or whatever the role was, uh, we were all, our job was to watch people. And so I'd be talking to you, but my eyes would be, and so can you imagine your wife when you're like, you're looking at, are you looking at me? You know, what did I just say? And I'm like verbatim telling her what I just said. And she's like, <laughs> so mad at me, you know, but I can't help it, you know? And uh, it's probably very similar to your situational awareness, just from the nature of the military and stuff. You, you can't be comfortable just where you're at. You have to be aware of your surroundings and where your teammates are and whatnot yeah. like that. So do you have to build like mental stamina to be able to do that all the time? I'm sure that that came from the military too, but it has to be exhausting. It was, believe it or not. I didn't want to go to malls after that. Like it was work, you know, I'm going sure. shopping for anything was work. But uh, after I got past the memorization part of it, now I got, I'm at a point now where if it, if there was a behavior that was leaking for sake of a better word, um, I would just see it, mm-hmm. you know, and then I can go from there before I had to like, sure. <laughs> you know, be looking for it. So yeah, it was a little mental challenging. I, I used to have to tell myself, uh, where's Waldo? Because when you're just staring at people all day, you can, you can kind of get lost in it. Mm-hmm. And now you're just kind of people watching as opposed to you know, looking for specific things. Sure. So. so all of that is perfect training, essentially, for what you do. Because there still are dangers to what you do. I mean, yeah. somebody can come in, and then all of a sudden it's, it's nuts. So you're Yeah, like still right observing. now, I'm back to where I normally want to be able to see. So thanks 100%. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't even but I'm that. trusting you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> but remember, I'm the one with the gun right now, so you need to make sure that I'm turned around if we need to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I got you. Just be like, hey, Dad. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. please go to work. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I'll just stop recording. I'm just like, hold on, pause. We got to go. We got to punch in. For, for that, you're identifying strangers that just walk in that you've essentially never seen before and they just want to buy a firearm which is a whole nother can of worms not only because we're in new york state but because of that inherent danger so transitioning to this which is honest i've known you for a long time and it's still strange that like you're running a storefront but there's some really cool things on the side where it's just like that makes sense like that's fitting but face value it's like oh like you can go there and buy a sling or you can just buy a QD mount or something. And it's just throwing you, it throws me off because I'm like, he's answering the phone and saying hi. And it's his first name. <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah, Where's right. the rank? Yeah. So in that, how, how has that uh, transition been for you to then build what is now Defensor? Because it's been a ride over the last seven years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I needed something to keep going after the military. And um, I had... 
enough with the government at this point where I took an early retirement from my job. Not that it was bad. I think what I was getting, uh, what was, what wears on you besides just the physical part we were talking about earlier about Mm -hmm. all the abuse that our nature of our work in the military, uh, does to our body. Um, mentally, you know, you can only spend so long, so much of your life looking for the bad in people. You know, look at my wife who like is like oblivious to things going on around her. And, And I am envious of it. I'll say that. Right. But she lives in a world that doesn't see the things that I know of and the, and the things that we see. And, and so I was envious of that. And uh, she's gotten, she's very much aware now, been around me long enough to know, but it's, uh, she doesn't get fed that intel, you know. So for me, this was a way to kind of decock from that, kind of bring it down a level. Um, the best part of my job is training new people. We've been training high-speed people for a long time and A-type personalities and stuff. Now I get to the pleasure of seeing people from the very start, the first ownership of a firearm and how nervous they are and to be able to take them from that stage to where they're comfortable with uh, being able to protect themselves and those around them and not become a liability. So that's where I really take it in is I like knowing that I've got new people out there that are going to be next to us and our families and I can, I'm comfortable with them out there doing those decisions. So when you come in to buy a firearm, if you go to like a Cabela's or something, I'm sure that they those people do not have the training that you have. No free shout outs, Cabela's, but I'm sure that they don't have that same training. When you're selling a firearm, are you doing a behavioral analysis of the person buying to say, should I sell you a gun? Yeah, we, um, being an FFL, a federal firearms licensed dealer, we, um, we reserve the right to deny the purchase of a firearm. Sure. But uh, fortunately, my my partner's a police officer and with the nature of my work we're able to pick up on some things and read mm-hmm. people pretty good there's only been a couple that have maybe kind of questioned but they there's there's security checks that are in process and just because you take a pistol permit doesn't mean that you're gonna get your permit sure. so if there's other things going on they do a pretty in-depth background check but um yeah i'm always watching i can't you can't unlearn that that's the only thing where most jobs you can walk away from i this never will leave my head so it's been a good thing but it's uh yeah it's just always there from a, ruder, uh, a rudimentary standpoint, you what, with that word a lot. Listen, <laughs> what is this? What is the process to get a firearm in New York State? Because there's a lot of people that say that they understand the process or hear that it's strict, and then that's it. Because yep. there's there's it's our audience is growing, which is a whole separate conversation. We'll talk offline. It's just weird, but in New York State, it is difficult to get a firearm. So, can you walk through that whole process? because you do it all the time yeah yeah so uh first if you decide you want to get a pistol permit you have to take a pistol permit safety course basically that's your a basic certificate just saying you got a basic understanding of the laws you understand how to what a firearm looks like which a bad end of it is mm-hmm. uh some of the characteristics of it um, characteristics of ammunition we get into topics like uh article 35 in the penal law which is what a lot of people don't know, that's the scary thing is, and I don't know who's teaching what out there, but um, if I use my pistol, if I touch my pistol and it's coming out of my holster, I'm probably going to civil and federal court. If it's at that point where I'm actually drawing mm-hmm. it. So before you draw it, you've got to recognize uh, that law and understand, can I articulate that in a court of why I did that? And so those people think, ah, oh, I'm just, it's easy. When I save my, I got to have to save my life for someone else's life. Well, yeah, basically, but uh, but just by the way you articulate it, could put you in jail or not. And so, getting people a comfortability of understanding those type of things is what we kind of focus on. So, once you get your, once you take that course, then you have to submit your application, which takes 
four references that'll sign that. So you want to make sure you have certain characteristics uh, and character traits from your witnesses to make sure, or your references rather, to make sure that they're um, able to convey you should have a firearm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then you have to get your application notarized to prove that it was you. Um, then you have to get fingerprints that'll be used for your background check. And then you need to get your passport photos and submit all that. So then local law enforcement, typically Erie or Niagara County sheriffs, will conduct the background checks. And um, Erie County used to be like 18 months to get your permit. And uh, there's some people over at the pistol permit office in Erie County that just did amazing job kind of fixing that. Mm-hmm. So it was for a little while, three to four months to get it, which is crazy. Uh, now it's creeping up to like four to five months to get your pistol permit like that. But that's the start. That's just the initial. There's no requirement to buy a pistol. Like a lot of people used to be six months and you had to have it. Uh, now they're not pushing you to go just go buy one mm-hmm. until you're ready. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The the whole background or um, references topic for there's a lot of different towns that require differences. What's the reason behind that? Like even North Tonawanda, you have to have four references in North Tonawanda or something crazy like that? Yeah, so two of them have to be from there and then the other two could be anywhere in Erie County and those type of things like that. So just depending on the county. What's know. the reason behind that? Do you know? <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's more just the who's doing the background checks and they don't want to travel all over the place to okay. go find it, you know? And if you can, ideally, the best, uh, best references, if you can find them, close to you so that they can just boom 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 and make it quick for you the further out they got to go it's you're, true you might get shuffled around in that pile till they feel like getting you know driving out there but that's um, a good point yeah so it's I, I don't know why i don't know why there's so many challenges between naira county chautauqua erie county mm-hmm. but you know national reciprocity is the the discussion we should be having as far not us but in general in this industry because your driver's license, you don't need to go through the background check and fingerprints and pictures taken, and you can drive in any state. Mm-hmm. So your pistol permit, who you had fingerprints, background check, the judge talked to you, you know, they went to all these different people to find out more about you. And once you pass that, you can only go in, you know, about 23 states with New York State. Sure. And then if you add some other ones, you might increase that number. But So you do the pistol permit courses here? Yep. Is this... Is this technically this is in Niagara County, right? Or this is, is Erie it, County. This is yeah. Erie. Yeah, okay. Grand Island is considered Erie County. So if you wanted, if you live in Niagara, you can't come here. But if you're you in can. Erie, oh, you can still. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we do Erie and Niagara County, like that. That's cool. And uh, we're we're going to be doing offering the Florida state permit and a couple other ones here eventually once we get to that point because then that'll open up a lot more states that'll recognize what you get. Yeah, same as like PA. If you get your license in PA, you're pretty much covered like the rest of the country. Yeah, it's I don't know why people worry about Florida so much because you can literally once you have your permit, you drive to Pennsylvania at the sheriff's office there and apply for an out-of-state residence card, and within 20 minutes and 20 dollars, you've now opened your life up all over the place. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's uh yeah, that's nice, and not many people know that. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a, a website that you can check of like what states are reciprocal with other states, and then you just click Pennsylvania, and the whole map basically lights up, except for like the onesie twosies, and you just laugh because yeah, it's such yeah. a small drive for us from Buffalo. You can just go down there and file; it's no big deal. And then you need like one reference, and they'll call them. You're like, you have the number? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's my reference. So like, we know. And then they just call, and they're like, hey, how are you? Like, is this person, like, normal? And it's like, yes. It's like, okay, sweet. And then, like, you go. Like, because you already went through New York, and everyone in Pennsylvania almost feels bad. Because they're like, it took so long. You had to do all this, like, you had to jump through hoops. Yeah, Yeah, right? It's nuts. But And then you find out that there's some states that are constitutional carry states. So you don't need anything. 
But like, so, some of it, like uh, like so, my brother lives in South Carolina, and, mm-hmm. and for South Carolina residents, as long as you're from there, you don't need a permit. It's like buying a rifle. You, you just get your background check and right there, and in 20 minutes you're walking out with your pistol. Uh, Washington State was like that when I lived there. Um, a couple other places that are like that. The problem is I can't go into South Carolina. No one can go into South Carolina. So we don't want to just be, you know, I think it's great that they allow you to do that. But like my brother has a pistol. He can't go to any other state but in South Carolina with it because mm-hmm. no one recognizes one when you don't have a permit. So I applaud them for opening it up for their people. But, you know, if I've got a permit, I should be allowed to come into your state. You know, <laughs> That's very true. It's just crazy. But, yeah, no yeah. doubt. There's so many rules, too. That's what's crazy. Every state's got its own different thing. It just seems like it would make more sense to, to make it kind of universal. If you need to make it stricter, so it requires certain training, I certainly don't even have a problem with you know, qualifying once a year. Mm-hmm. Police have to do it. Military has to do it. You know, Anyone who carries has to qualify, and yet we don't as civilians. And I, I don't have a problem with that if it means that you can open up my ability to go to any state I want and stuff. You know, those type of things. Mm. What state has the strictest laws? It's New York and it California. Is it New York? Yeah. yeah. Those, we're, we're the two states that are fighting each other for who can be the, the, strong, the strongest uh, rules against firearms. But, you know, it's great. What, you know what people don't understand is a lot of people who are making these rules, the New York State Safe Act and things like that, um, just don't have a firm grasp on what, what our laws are and what the meaning behind it is. You know, mm-hmm. um, so we get all these crazy rules and things that, that go on there, like like a pistol grip makes a difference, or you know, because I can have a bolt action Barrett fifty cal, but I can't have this scary looking M four that, you know, which is just like anything else basically in a semi automatic, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's just crazy rules out there. What are your What are your thoughts on when on the on this side of the aisle when you're talking about the reasons why you need a gun? It's the the fact that well, not necessarily the reason why you need a gun, but the laws behind it is that the more that you restrict it, the more painful it is for me to get a gun, and the bad people aren't going to go through the processes anyway. Yeah. So, is that a, a common ideology between the industry of like why are we doing this? Because it doesn't really matter for the bad guys anyway. It, it should be. I mean, it should be the thought process because they're going to still get it. I mean, I tell people prisons are arguably the safest place in the world, right? Can't bring any firearms, any weapons of any type into those. And you go through security to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet they still find a way to kill each other mm-hmm. in the safest place. So it just goes to tell you that, you know, I can put this scary gun on the table and tell it to kill everyone in this room. It's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you take my gun away, if I'm that kind of person that wants to kill people, I'll jump in my car and drive through a crowd of people, which we've seen that multiple times. Sure. Or you know, stabbing people with knives. It's just these these firearms get the bad rap, and I can understand why you're scared of them, but you should be more scared when the good guys don't have it. Right. And uh, that's what's scary. It's always a tool, and that's the, the misconception that needs to be discussed, is that a firearm is just a tool. Like if it's the same age-old argument of, like you mentioned, Vlad the Impaler. Like it's, there was no firearms, there was no gunpowder. China didn't invent it yet, and that's not a joke. Like that's literal fact. Like China didn't make gunpowder yet and he's sharpening wood and stabbing people and impaling them and then you have like forks and spoons aren't banned but hypertension's a huge thing and most people aren't blaming spoon manufacturers but we're blaming gun manufacturers because of insane mental health issues and if 
somebody with a mental health problem was running around the streets with a shovel and just killing people with shovels. Are we going to ban the shovel or are we going to be like, that dude's out of his mind? Probably the latter. So until that conversation's had at a level within government that can make change because clearly the people can't make change like the way you're supposed long story off topic on that but it's just interesting that it's the same debate from both sides and there's really no compromise it's like guys it's it's not the gun wait a minute are you saying that the pencil didn't make the misspellings (laughs) (laughs) well i need some work i gotta go back to school right (laughs) exactly so what is what is the medium then of gun laws like in your professional opinion what do you feel Mm -hmm. like a good law or background check or like process would be to ensure that we're not overstepping constitutional rights but we're also verifying insane people aren't owning guns is that a a fine line yeah Yeah, no um i'm all about people owning firearms and being able to to protect yourself at Mm -hmm. the very basic level everyone should have the right to protect themselves but there is a serious responsibility. I tell people, when I first got my pistol permit back in 93, okay, were you even born yet? I was. Were you born? Okay. We were one-year-old, so. <laughs> we were here. Okay. I'm going to leave now. That was killing it. <laughs> we were here. I was on point. Oh, man. In 1993, and you probably don't even know this story, this, uh, this show, but uh, Miami Vice? Heard of it. Okay. Another show. Heard of it. <laughs> Crockett and Tubbs. I, those were my heroes. I wanted to be them. That's the only reason I got my pistol permit. I didn't know anything about pistols at the time. I didn't really know about the laws, didn't care about the laws. I just wanted to be like all the cool detectives in all the shows that I've seen and, you know, John Wayne and all these guys like that. So here I am with my big 357 Ruger GP100, this giant thing, wearing a shoulder rig, you know. Nice. I went and bought, uh, you know, some suits, threw out my, all my socks and bought Miami shoes and walking around <laughs> like I'm the man. <laughs> And uh, had no idea. And now, now I do know how serious that is. When I put this thing on, it, it could change the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. Literally put me in jail for the rest of my life. And there's been a lot of stupid stuff that comes out of people's mouths when they talk about when, well, I would have done this. Yeah, you would have done that. You'd been in jail for the rest of your life. And so that's kind of been the, the, the focus point for me is trying to educate people because there's not a lot of people who want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I had approached... Uh, one of the one a lawyer that we knew, and I was like, "Hey, I'd really love to have you come and and talk to my audience about what they could expect if they go to court and all about the laws and things that they might face." He's like, "Yeah, absolutely." And he goes back and calls me later and says, "Dave, I can't do it, man," and his firm wouldn't support that. Hmm. I got a, a state trooper that I know that sends people my way because he doesn't want to put his name on. Well. So and so from the troopers said this, and I and I get it. I understand from uh, from trying to cover yourself, you know, in the event that someone that. But that's the society we live in now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's worried about getting sued, and they're, and your best interest isn't in their mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I've been throwing myself out there. So uh, you know, someday I hope it doesn't come back to bite me. But you, people need to know how serious it is to carry it. And so, um, I don't have a problem with people getting background checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a sane person, it's going to come out because, you know, New York State wants people to get their pistol permit. People paint New York as this, you know, this bad place and there's a lot of crazy laws. But uh, but the judge carries it in Erie County, carries a pistol. And he has been very generous about giving everyone their pistol permit. It may not be full carry. 
And when you look at why, there's there's usually a reason, something in their past that was like, you know, I'm going to give it to you, but kind of like, prove it to me. You can always protect yourself at home. You could take it to the range and practice, but whatever it is that they're looking at, which they don't tell us, but uh, which is very, very rare that that happens. Mm. Um, so if you see how many people are in our pistol permit classes and the amount that he's got to sign off on, I mean, he's literally shooting them out there. So I don't... Uh, I think New York does the best they can with within the laws that they've been given. Sure. Um, the mental health thing, Erie County doesn't require it, but Niagara County requires that you sign off on your basically your mental health, and they can check your medical things. And some would argue that's pushing your pushing against your Second Amendment. Sure. And at first, I would say, yeah, I kind of think so too. But you know, if you're like. <laughs> like this and you're wearing a, a, a tinfoil hat and you're saying they're out to get me I'm a little nervous right. about you being in the same restaurant I'm at with my family and something goes down and you are deciding what you're going to do with your firearm like sure um, so I don't know where that line is I really don't yeah. I don't even know that I want to get into that uh, it's a tough line like it is there's no one. good answer for it yep. at all so your your pistol permit classes, you have them here. You do training, though, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yep. well, what does that training consist of? If somebody wants to come here to be trained, uh, well, what can they expect? So we have... Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm going to get in the short version of this. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm getting too old now, man. I, just, I used to be like, well, I'm glad you talked about that. <laughs> no, we're, we're pretty chill here, man. But, I, you know, it's pretty simple. I tell people anyone can pull a, a, pull a trigger. You know, anyone can squeeze that trigger. Um, and you know, everyone wants to do that. It's like getting in a race car and you just want to hit the gas pedal mm -hmm. and do that. Well, you can do that. But when you come around turn one and you start flying around or you don't know how to handle this thing. So we start off with dry fire training classes and mm. we, we have now integrated a, a, a simulator that, that simulates a live fire range and scenarios, all kinds of things. And so every aspect that we, we train on, they're able to do that, uh, realistically there. And we get into the breakdown of it, how to clean it, how to how to secure it, how to hold it, and all the basic stuff, you know, sight pictures, sight alignment, breathing, trigger squeeze, all that good stuff, right? And then once they're comfortable, and uh, that usually breaks the the uh, the nervousness down because they're not hearing the bang and they're not all they're thinking about is that I can get them focused on mm -hmm. the twenty different steps that I broke it down into, and and making it smooth. And I had a guy who was like sixty five years old, never been around firearms, and uh, our dry fire training. Just two times with him. When he went out there, his first shot was bullseye. And I'm like, beginner's luck, man. That was phenomenal. Let's see you do it again. Right right in the bullseye a second time. And that's when I really, it really hit me that, you know, our dry fire training, our practice at home, all the, just the, the stuff that needs that motion, that movements need to be without even thinking about mm -hmm. it. Because if someone's trying to kill me, I need to be focused on you and how I'm going to articulate this. And if it's legal or not, and not shooting people behind me, you know, you or anything else. Like, there's a lot going on. I can't be, like, you know, trying to figure right. this thing out. So getting those motor movements to be as fluid as it's taken me years to do um, has been really good. So when we get out to the, do live fire training, then it then uh, just kind of falls in naturally. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's just working decision-making process, uh, making things more fluid and understanding your threat. Uh, all the muscle mechanics and micro movements and things like that sure. that your body goes through and threat identification. When do I shoot? When do I don't? What, do I, what am I looking at? I had a lady miss a target, like the paper, like this giant piece of paper. <laughs> Didn't even hit the paper. And she was like 10 feet away from it. And I was like, how does that happen? <laughs> I could literally probably close my eyes and hit that. But, you know, when people at the very basic level, she's had a permit, didn't, didn't know, 
the concept of her, her just the basic thing of what your sights are. And sure. Um, so, so it's just getting people comfortable with it, and that's what we do. So we do live fire, dry fire training, and then it just advances from there. Um, we get into all kinds of things, room clearing and scenario-based stuff and center axis relock. I tell people if they want to be John Wick, I'll help you out. <laughs> but <laughs> That's not a selling point. I don't know what is. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I'd rather you just come and see it. Sure. So then they then rather than talk about because I really don't like talking about mm-hmm. it. I don't know what it is. Just to, just see, let me just show you what it's about. Sure. Uh, so we teach law enforcement that, um, how, to, how to shoot 360-degree environment. So like from this seat, I don't have to get up from this seat. Uh, from my vehicle, I don't have to get out of my, my vehicle to control 360 degrees around me. And it's that methodology. And I've taken some of that. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't developed by me, but um, the, the methodology that was created for that, some stuff was dangerous, I thought. So I don't incorporate that. Just some certain aspects that allow me to fluidly move through a dynamic environment and at any point not have to like turn and swivel and turn. stuff. I can just flip it around. <laughs> When you are at your house, most people think like, oh, training stops. Are you discussing how important it is to clear your own house? Yeah. 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 Have um, you been caught by your wife doing it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For, that was a two-part question. One, because I didn't want to be the only one. Um, and then <laughs> second is because it, it's, I got you. It's because it's it's a real life thing where if somebody breaks into your house, your dog, your daughter, your son, your wife and your in-laws are going to be looking at you like this is it man like yep. you're the one talking about it you're the one that lived this like time to actually do it i'm going to stay here and not move yep. so when it comes to your house identifying blind areas um like the, the dark matter spots where it's just like i have no idea what's over there um is this cover or is it concealment what's behind this if i shoot here is it going to hit my neighbor's house am i in chictawaga do you want to come work with us I mean, it's just, it's, it's things that most people, sure. It's most people, uh, most people don't think of it. And then they go to some training and then they're like, okay, that was really cool, but I was there. And then it's having that realization of knowing like, Hey, it's nonstop. I think a lot of that has changed too with local law enforcement where that discussions being had, where their every day is their combat zone as a, as a a town cop, like that's their battle space. So when they're actively working, it's exhausting. And then they live in the same town that they work in. So they're never necessarily away from work or off. So what scenario based trainings do you have? Um, cause I took the one and it was amazing that really help people have that distinction and knowing that, yes, you can learn things at defense or, but it's really applicable outside as well. So we, because everything is based off of Article 35 in the penal law, the New York State penal law. So we cover everything from robbery, burglary, kidnapping. I don't get into rape, <laughs> but we talk about it. Right? <laughs> so, um, so we cover all the different things that people might, you know, arson, and we recreate that. And so I have like little babies back there. I have a bomb vest back there. I have can you know fuel cans, and we bring it on the road. So especially when we work with like church security teams and stuff, like we recreate it. And you know we've got blank guns. We we bring law enforcement in there, so we we create it as realistic as possible using uh, firearms that allow us to do that. Because like it would be a very small class if we used real ones. Right. <laughs> so uh, you know when we first started this, that's all we were doing is a force on force, and I think people thought we were like another Buffalo Battlegrounds. Nothing against Buffalo Battlegrounds, um, 
but our purpose was a little different. Just like when we deploy, getting ready to deploy, mm-hmm. we put ourselves into real scenarios, mm-hmm. and that's the only way to do that safely. So, um, so that's kind of what what our training covers in that regard. Um, but yeah, I've cleared I cleared my house just the other day. I came in, and my daughter's like, "Mom thinks she heard someone outside." I'm like, "What?" No, you didn't. The rock star came back. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I did my little thing around there. But, uh, you know, safely, of course. And that's and that's the important thing, too, is deci- deci- uh, decision-making process of, you know, when do I leave my room if I think someone's in the mm-hmm. home? Right. And we t- and Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I, I joke that I put a sign up in my house that says, my house isn't locked for my protection. <laughs> and, you know, and I like to envision in my head that I'm going to be like, game on, let's do this. <laughs> but, you know, I just had this, I literally, I just talked about this with a group that I was talking to. And uh, I was like, there was a time that I would be like that. And like, if I had my teammates around me, then I'd be like, let's roll. But when I'm home, I, I'm by myself. And so, you know, when I hear someone in the house, it's not like you just go out and looking because something happens to me, my family's by themselves. Mm -hmm. And I assume that there's more than one. I never assume it's called the plus one theory in law enforcement. And so um, we assume there's more than one person doing this. So I can't afford to come down and see you locked on you and also and then my family's doing this. So there's a lot that goes into it. You know, so there's the A-type personality with me that wants to go crush it. But then the other side, I've got a responsibility where I can't leave my family alone. But I'm working on that because they're getting their permits. So we're, we're there you good. go. But uh, yeah, so we try to make training as realistic as possible uh, for the environment that people find themselves in. Um, and yeah, so if I need to clear my house, I've done it. Do you ever use recent like events or anything like that to frame training? Like one of the examples that's coming to my mind is the event that I forgot where it happened, but the female law enforcement officer thought that she was pulling out her taser and she pulled out her gun. Do you incorporate that at all under training to like know where you are type situation? Or is it just, isn't that, isn't that crazy though? And I don't feel, I feel bad for her actually. Everyone's talking about let's defund the police. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you need to fund the police. Correct. Because it's the biggest challenge for law enforcement, because we've been trying to work that angle, is to pull an officer off the street. Well, they're already undermanned half the time, right? So you want me to pull him off the street when he just got off the long shift, he doesn't want to do that. And if he does, I got to pay him double time. And so it's, a, it's always been a challenge to, to find to do it. We're like, 
you know, we just had the luxury in the military. Just we're all going training. We're all doing this. But, you know, we're not in the combat zone. I'm not training in the combat zone, per yeah. se. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when we're down and we, then we might have some time to go, you know, work on a mission and practice for a mission. But law enforcement, this is their job. And so they don't have like that time where they can just pull people to do training. So that is something that's got to be addressed because, you know, when you're everything is focused on your gun and something happens, <clears throat> excuse me. And something happens where you've got to respond. It's an easy automatic. Mm-hmm. Like my thumb doesn't think about the selector switch on an M4. I don't even think about it. Um, and that's from years of muscle memory and practicing like that. And so for law enforcement, when you're just your go-to firearm is, I mean, your go-to tool is your firearm. To have something different, I could see where that could happen, where you could get confused on that. Sure. Because she she did. I don't really blame her. I mean, she said taser 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 and thought she was pulling her taser out of which both feel like you know they both have a grip they both have Mm -hmm. a trigger and um so people say i can't imagine how that happened well if you don't have all the training and the muscle memory and constantly using it i mean ask them how much time they spend on the taser right you know they might spend a day on it and then that's it kind of going off of that and specifically your behavioral training that you have do you think that putting body cameras on police increases their stress and changes their behavior that's a good <laughs> should we talk about state police retirees <laughs> sure go ahead state police just rolled it out within yeah. new york state and there's a mass exodus oh really yeah. yeah a lot of dudes retiring because of body cams um i don't know if that's like super well known but it's known within the community that that's one of the biggest reasons a lot of people don't realize the outside variables. You mentioned a long shift and then to go train afterwards. Like, super easy example. The gentleman that was uh, down south at the Wendy's or Burger King or whatever, and everyone's like, why didn't the cop just shoot the guy in the leg? And it's yeah. like, okay, let's walk through this quickly. You struggle with the guy and grapple. You're on the ground for 10, 12 minutes. He steals your gun out of your holster, and now you're like, okay, now what? Because that's my primary, like, lethal force option. He's running away. Or, I'm sorry, it was his taser. He stole his taser. Runs away, looks back at the officer, raises the taser to him, and then the the officer draws his lethal option because he doesn't have his non-lethal option anymore, and then warns him, and then everyone's like, just shoot him in the leg. It's like, hold on, you're exhausted. You're working a 12-hour shift. What if there's an infant at home? Maybe he didn't sleep last night because of that infant. What if there's a domestic at his own house between him and his wife because he's always working? What if his marriage is an absolute hell environment, whatever? Then you have the heart nonstop, and then you want him to control his breathing while getting actively aimed at to then pull the trigger and hit him on a super small target while the dude's running away. No one thinks of that. All the people see is like what happens on, I don't know, whatever 911 ridiculous ABC show is out where that's the only thing that happens. They apply the tourniquet, like pat him on the head, and then, oh, yeah. you know, it's a happy ending, full house type scenario. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's crazy that that's a thing. And then the body cams are alerted to start recording and pre-recording based off whatever you do. Like if you get out of your car, body cam turns on. If you take your Stetson off, body cam turns on. If you draw your weapon, body cam turns on. So it's like all these different things where a cop is like, am I a robot or am I a human? That's that's definitely been a challenge because it literally, and <clears throat> if I pull my firearm, all your cameras come on. Mm-hmm. Anyone within a certain radius, they come on like that. Or your lights mm-hmm. come on. Anyone in a certain radius, because now they can have all the different angles from whatever situation. I mean, they mean well, right? 
if if um, the problem gets most people in trouble uh, in law enforcement responding to things is is they have this situation's going on and all of a sudden someone shows up late after a lot of the, everything that's happened before that and they catch it. Mm-hmm. So all they see is a certain, they don't have the whole story. So the idea was is that wearing your cameras tells the whole story. Sure. The flip side is, is everyone's afraid of court and making the wrong decisions, so they're hesitating and they're maybe not making decisions when they should be. And I don't know. I tell people I don't want I don't I can't tell you guys how to do your podcast your job because that's not my expertise. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't expect you to tell me how to do my behavioral analysis job, right? Because you just it's not your expertise. So for law enforcement has such a tough job, military is such a tough job, you're making life and death decisions. I mean, overseas, I had to make a decision of whether I was gonna shoot a kid who I thought was going to blow up our our small three truck convoy that was moving through an area uh, because of what he had in his hands and how he was acting and looking at it like that. Like people don't understand those type of decisions you're making, especially when you have families at home and that. So no one wants to go and just pull the trigger. I think everyone thinks that you know military just loves mm-hmm. slaying, <laughs> but that's not the case. Yeah, and it's not. I don't. I have to live with those decisions I made, and they're, they're very vivid pictures in my head, smells and stuff. You know, and for law enforcement, they. You know, they're seeing, they're on humans, they're human, they're on American soil. And so that's, that changes a lot of dynamic too. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a lot of stress and you add this onto it. And why the mass exodus besides that, I think, is just we've demified the, the law enforcement. You know, these cops are questioning their, their interest in it because no one likes them. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's getting better now. It is, yeah. But uh, for a while there, I was like, I don't know why anyone would want to be one. Mm-hmm. Because no one has got their back. I think it's crazy. We talked about that the other day because like we were talking, we both went to school for law enforcement and we sat down the other day and we we're like, can you imagine if we did this right now? Like, I don't know if I would like, it's a very stressful time right now to be a police officer. And I mean, I'm kind of enjoying my life behind a desk cause I'm not getting shot at or getting yelled at, but people just don't understand that whole stressful part of the job and think that, like you said, it's just them wanting to go out and kill somebody. It's you don't understand what actually I don't understand what goes into killing somebody like that's yeah, people yeah. aren't going out there doing it. No. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess there could be, I couldn't speak on all that, mm-hmm. but I don't think in a lot of these cases that someone got up and said, you know, today I'm going to kill someone. Right. You know, whatever color, whatever race, whatever gender, whatever, whatever. But, um, you know, that I've heard that number from this administration talked about, um, why don't, why don't police shoot arms and things like that? And it's pretty simple. That's because we know what we're talking about, right? <laughs> Open fire this, this pistol wants to go the length of a football field. Wants to travel. I'm responsible for every round that goes out. Mm-hmm. And it's going to travel. It's going to stop somewhere. Could be in your kid. Could be in someone's wife, husband, whatever. I'm trying to stop a dude from trying to kill me or someone else. And so the least, the, the biggest target to do that is center mass in the chest. Arms move. Heads move, everything is moving, but that chest, unless you're walking like this, you know, that chest is there. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't ask for you to, to do what you're doing, but you are, and now I'm going to stop you. And I'd rather fire one, two shots than five, six, because I'm missing arms and hands. And, you know, that's because people who say that have never been in that situation. Yeah. They've never seen someone trying to kill them. But they watch Shooter and they see Mark Wahlberg snipe some dude's hand off from a mile away. That's for real. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely real. <laughs> so we were talking about people that don't want to just go out and kill people, which is a majority of, it's safe to say a majority of everybody doesn't want to go out and kill people. But we have to talk about the most recent one that happened a week and a half ago at this point, the Jefferson shooting, and the one that just happened before we recorded. So you have people that are bad people, and they just want to go and kill 
everybody. It's still don't have any idea why they do it. They're just insane. But if you're a person in that situation, if you're in that tops or if you're in the elementary school, what do you do in that situation? You don't even have time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> My job um, is to find you before you do the big things, right? When I was doing that behavioral stuff. Mm-hmm. And so situational awareness and taking courses on that type of thing to increase your visibility on what's going on around you. I don't want to lose sight of the topic, so keep me on track if, yeah, I'm, if I get it. off. But, you know, I told um, for a while at um, Walden Gallery Mall, there was a time when you'd come out to your car with your keys and someone was already underneath there. They'd slice your Achilles tendon, you'd drop, can't walk, take your car keys and go. And they were doing that right here at the Gallery Mall. Okay. How do you stop that? You know how you stop it? You get off your phone and from 20 feet away, you just glance underneath your car. It'll never happen to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell my daughter, you know, park underneath, you know, when you're in a parking lot, park underneath the light. It's, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, Dad. Yeah. Mike, what's up, man? I haven't seen you in a long time. Let's go shopping. You know what? Are you hungry? Let's grab a bite to eat. That movie's coming out. Shooter. Let's go watch it. And then uh, next thing you know, it's dark. And now I can't see my car and there's a creeper van next to it and whatever. All right. So thinking ahead, you can just little things you can prevent yourself from being a victim, making yourself a harder target mm-hmm. and making better decisions. You know, if you can see under your car from a distance and it's safe, uh, I don't get into my car unless I'm or my truck until I see through the back seat before I step into the front seat. So it's like little things like that. Is it paranoid? Maybe. But I don't go through a checklist anymore. I just do it. I don't even think about it. Sure. And so a lot of it, we're so distracted by our, these things because I live on this thing mm-hmm. myself. I can't, I'm my own worst enemy, but I have to tell myself to focus on what's going on around you. So there's a thought process. Lieutenant Colonel John Boyd was an Air Force fighter pilot, and he came up with this thing called the OODA loop, right? And this OODA loop was designed for pilots and special operations and SWAT teams and all these things like that. And people are like, Dave, why do I need this training? Center access relock, OODA loop. I mean, I'm not a SWAT guy. I'm like, yeah, but you're working in a SWAT environment, a special operations environment, dynamic. Things are changing. You don't know where the threat's coming from. It's, it, you don't know how many people there. So you need to be able to think through that process. And so without getting into that whole thing, it, it just these tools can help you without even having a firearm, mm-hmm. teach you how to, how to maneuver and to make decisions in those times. Um, Mandalay Bay, you remember that in mm-hmm. Las Vegas? Just shooting at these people from the concert. And if you were to sit and look, you'd see how many options they had. But what happens was, you know, a group of people starts running in gunfire and they're all running a direction. Well, that's where I got to go. It's a herd mentality. I see it at the airport. There's lanes open and everyone follows other people because that's just everyone that must be right. No one wants to be wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'll just follow the, the, the crowd. And so I get it. DMV, we see the same thing, right? Um, so there's some basic concepts when we talk about active shooters and how can we survive these things that, that uh, you have options. Instead of running for the front door at Tops, you know, when's the last time you saw eggs and everything being brought in through the front door? Right. Yeah. Kitchen. At any restaurant. When's the last time you saw fish fries and stuff coming through, excuse me, excuse me, and getting around the passenger, or the customers and stuff and going into their kitchen, you know? It was a number of years ago, a band called Great White. Again, I'm, I'm now dating myself. But I was a rock star, so <laughs> stick with me on this. They're no longer like major players in the industry, but they still do their thing like Kiss, you know, pyrotechnics and mm-hmm. stuff. And they were at a Rhode Island nightclub. And mm-hmm. at this Rhode Island nightclub, you can still you can Google it now. There was over 300 people in there. So it, for that nightclub, it was a lot of people. And uh, so they lit their pyrotechnics off, and it lit the styrofoam uh, insulators that kind of muffled the sound mm-hmm. from 
crazy rock bands, right? And when it caught on fire, everyone was like, oh my gosh. And they all ran for the two doors that they knew they could get out. And they just, you see them on the, in the video, you just see them stacking on top of each other and trying to get out and they became human shields so no one could get past them. So over 150 people died in that thing. And the band Grey White survived. They were at ground zero, how'd they do that? Because they knew of a back door where they brought all their stage equipment in and stuff like that. They knew, they knew some just common things like that. At the mall, if I was at the Walden Gallery Mall, I can guarantee, you guys know where um, Five Guys is? Mm-hmm. You know, the main that entrance right there, yep. all glass and this. Can you imagine if someone shot boom, 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 and started making shots in there? Everyone's running from all the way down at the restaurants down there at uh, Cheesecake Factory, all the way down, are you just going to run for those doors? That's going to be a great white situation all over again. But yet, all you have to do is just run into Oakley, right? A small store, and go through the back. And there's a hallway that takes you to all the stores. That that's where they bring in all their supplies and stuff like that. So while everyone's running there, like fish in a barrel, you can be that different person that that thinks. So the whole run hide fight, I understand what they're trying to say, but you need to be a thinker in this type of situation because anyone who just freaks out, you're not going to survive that. That's yeah. crazy. Now, it's crazy because I saw that the thing in Tops at the Buffalo thing, and that's just crazy, man. And I think that even if I was the woman that was in the, the first one that was shot, I don't think I would have survived that either because he didn't even, it was just a car pulling in. He was just talking to the camera, and he just gets out and just starts shooting. He didn't, there's no hesitation, no thought process behind it. That's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had, if I was there and I heard those shots from inside, now you can start looking at, you know, cover versus concealment, not staying out in the open, using your your thought process to figure out where things are coming from and what kind of threat you're dealing with and where are other people, how, what can I do with them, and all kinds of things that you can start to work your way through it and to improve your chances of survival. I'm not gonna take anything away from anyone that was in there because I wasn't there at that time. Right. But, um, what a challenge, man! It's crazy. So the best thing would be. If you're in that situation, to, to just be situationally aware to see what other locations you have to hide, run, and like back doorway out, like the loading dock at Tops. I think there was a story on some people at Tops hid in the freezer, and they didn't just rush the door. Wasn't there a? Didn't the Columbine shooting happen because there's a lot of people that ran out the front and they just stood outside with guns? Or there was a shooting like that that happened where it they just stood outside the front yeah. door and everyone came running out and they just lit them up. Well, that was the one where um, they hit the alarm and they knew everyone would be going right. out to the buses and everything that was out there. It was all during that time. So we're just getting people out of the school, which created this pile. Vacuum. You know, basically, yeah, basically a, uh, a target of opportunity. So it was pretty well thought out when they when they did that. You yeah. know? Um, it's, it's being more situationally aware. Being aware of your entry and exit points. Like, I could joke about it, but I'm really not. I can't stand having my back to the door that I've got right here. You know, I have no idea what it's doing to me right now. But I did lock the door. I did lock the door. But we'll be talking after. You have no idea how many years this is putting on me. I'm literally right here. I'm right here. It goes against everything I talk about. Everything. And he just did it to me. He's he's bad. He he did it on purpose because he doesn't like his back to the door. He's like, I'm going to... I'll be the guy here. I'll, yeah. I'll watch. <laughs> There's always so many ways you can, you know, so many people you can fit in a corner, right? right? Like yeah, so really. I get it, you know. And if I could trust anyone, I could trust them. So trust me. But, uh, Appreciate it. But, um, yeah, there's so many different things to, to look at, but it's just situational awareness, mm-hmm. being aware of your, being able to sit in a spot that I'm not paranoid. I'm just, when you come in, you can't help but see it. And you just glance. And, and are they, uh, 
do they fit in with the environment? Is that, you know, like us here, there's a certain look, there's a certain mm-hmm. vibe and stuff going on. So if some guy came in here with a with a suit and a briefcase and his, uh, you know, his sunglasses on and stuff like that, I'd be like, guys, we need to take a break. Um, ATF's here. I got to do an inspection real quick. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> they don't fit in. I already know that that's, they drew my attention from the crowd that was in here, you know. So um, when I did G8 summits, you know, if uh, if someone... If you can picture an orchard park at the uh, stadium, you know, face painted and everything like for the bills, right? If that dude showed up at the G8 summit, out of all those people, he stands out from mm-hmm. the norm. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but that's how you pick out people who are, you know, stand out for whatever reason it might be. How do people practice that? Like if somebody watching right now wants to get better at that for being situational, situationally aware in the future, how do they practice that? Just repetition? You know, uh, you have to be purposeful with it. You have to be mindful of it. The OODA loop, you and I do it all the time. <clears throat> I tell people I like to go through a pink light. You know what that is? The traffic light? <laughs> when the light turns, you know, is green, and as soon as it turns yellow, my wife, her OODA loop says, threat, and my head hits the, <laughs> the windshield, right? <laughs> I'm alive because my wife made a decision on that, right? Me... My wife braces herself for a different reason because I'm going for it. That thing could be yellow for 10 seconds. And I'm like, I got this. <laughs> I got this. And so I am going for it. And uh, I do not condone this at home for anyone who does this <laughs> and drives like it. Um, and so the important thing is once you make a decision is you act on it. Okay. So if I were to drive through that intersection, I saw a car coming, I froze. I'm going to get hit. Mm-hmm. And so they say the worst decision to make is no decision at all. So once you commit in a dynamic environment, which is impossible to know all the possible outcomes, how many threats are out there, all those things that come into you can't. You just got to work through it and use your observation skills, not just your eyes, because everyone wants to see it. Hear gunshots. So what am I going to do? I'm going to stick my head out the door. Well, that's not smart, <laughs> right? right? Like that. So you've got your hearing, you've got your touch, your sense of touch, your your feeling and smell and all that good stuff like that 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 you can use to to decide. Is something a threat, no threat, or possible threat? And based on that, from my observation, it's not smart to go down there. We're going to go this way. So when I open that door, we're going to go out in that hallway, and we're going to make a right and a hard left, and we're moving. And then you get out in the hall, and you see a shooter, and the shooter sees you, and he starts to turn. It's Italian to me, sorry. <laughs> he starts to turn, and now he's coming to you. If you just stay there, you're going to get shot. Right. But if you move, it's like squirrel, because then he's going to go back to the, you know, the herd mentality, looking at all the people screaming and running and making noise and drawing attention to themselves um, when you don't employ all these little things that we talked about. Now, would it be best practice in that situation? Well, not in that situation, obviously, but to arm yourself. Is it always the answer to arm to try to get a pistol and arm yourself? Or are there situations where if you have a. I don't want it like you were talking about like you don't commit like if you don't commit you're if you stay still it's not good are there people like that that shouldn't own a gun because they wouldn't know what to do in that situation or would you yes. train them to be able to do that I would train them though. okay <laughs> so there's a lot of people who can go and and throw lead down range we call it just go to the range and shoot paper mm-hmm. no decision-making process no no working through no not specifically training for certain things it's changed a little bit because ammunition's got so expensive um, so people are focused on, you know, today I'm going to work on this mm-hmm. and that. So that's an, uh, an encouragement, but, uh, they need to be trained and to go through those type of scenarios and figure it out. Cause we do in the military. There's a reason why we spend three months training and every possible scenario we could possibly come up with just so when we get there, it's not like, I never thought about that. 
you know, and not know what I'm going to do right. in that. So they try to simulate that as best as possible. So, yeah, that's. Um, do I think everyone should be armed? Yes, but it's just, it's just, it's not what you think, mm-hmm. right? I tell people, well, do you think everyone should wear a seatbelt? <laughs> yes, I think everyone <laughs> should wear a seatbelt. Because you never know when the accident's going to happen. You right. never know when someone's going to hit you or whatever. You, you, I like to think I'm pretty good at stuff, but I could miss things. Um, this pistol, while at first I thought I was Miami Vice, Crockett, and Tubbs, and I was wearing it for a certain reason. Now I realize it comes with a certain amount of risk, um, a certain heavy responsibility, and I know the effects of what this thing can do. And it's important to train that. My daughter, at a very young age, was very familiar with my firearms how to handle it safely in case she, not for me, because I, I put my stuff away and do things mm. the way I'm supposed to with it. But if she goes to someone else's house, she's not like, what's this? Right. And that my training pistols, I get people who've been carrying for years. They go, wow, these are cool. I'm like, why would you ever look down the barrel of a gun? So I believe education is important, and I don't think we should hide it from our kids. Um, and I think that uh, being armed gives you options. Just like your seatbelt, um, only... In the event of an emergency, this is a distance weapon, so I don't have to get up close to you. I'm I'm trained, and and you've been trained too. To if we need to get in close with the enemy, we have options and know our capabilities of it. But I don't want to get I don't want to have to touch you and handle you and stuff like that. Sure. I want to control you from across the room, know that if you didn't do what I told you, I'm going to stop you from doing what you're going to do. And I don't need to be close to you like that. I can protect my family, keep them away, and reach out. Or I can see someone who's being attacked, and I can stop them from a distance. Hmm. Whether people want to believe it or not, wherever I'm at in the public, they don't know it, but they're safer because I'm there. They're safer because people like you who, who take the time to get educated and, and have certain skill sets and understanding stuff are out there being vigilant and paying attention and and have an idea what to do. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too, because you were one of the first people that taught me using a firearm as a shield, opposed to actually like f- using it defensively instead of offensively. Is I guess the best way to put that, because an active shooter situation is a little different depending on the circumstance. But if something as horrific as that were to occur, it's not how many people did the shooter kill; it's how many were saved. And potentially, if somebody is armed. It's not that the person that was armed kills the shooter. It's that the person that was armed used their firearm to then get more people behind them and use it as a shield to get them to a second exit because they're looking at other avenues of escape, really. And once that was discussed and taught and really hammered home, it was like, wow, like I'm not afraid to constantly think about, okay, if I'm using a semi-automatic firearm whatever type of firearm it is it's one lawyer leaving the barrel every time opposed to birdshot where it's 60 at a time because you don't know if you're getting your neighbor's fridge as well as your picture window and your wife's car as well as whoever is in your house but now you're looking at it from a standpoint of i just saved 30 people plus myself we use this other exit and then law enforcement which is generally in the city of buffalo like a two-minute response time which isn't bad but it's reactive it's not proactive you just potentially saved so many more people just because you had the ability to distance yourself from the threat it's just a struggle because there's also that i'm gonna go crush it because you're like i well you can though so so i tell people that um you know i don't have to be in fear for my life i could be in fear for your life that you're going to be killed if i don't interact with them Mm -hmm. so on camera 
yes, uh, Mr. Prosecutor, that's uh, looking at me and questioning me, I was going for the shooter. I was putting myself in a position where I know the backdrop and I'm responsible for that round. And if I'm positioned where I was at, I would have shot, shot the, the lady in the back and the guy over there and the kid over here. So I was push, positioning myself in the best place to shoot effectively and not cause other damage that we'd be sitting in this courtroom to do that. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, wow, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Um, we talk about that though, because you know, you got cameras everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, and that all comes into articulation. Were you afraid for your life? Well, then you should be getting off the, off the train tracks. You should be communicating. You should, they should see your mouth moving on there. Uh, depending your body movements are going to come into effect. there when you're talking about, you said you were afraid for your life, but yet you were moving in there like that. That's a little hard to do that. And so it is a challenge for us in our environment in the military and stuff was, that's what we do. Run to gunfire. We go for the gunfire. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not a threat to us yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Or we're starting it. You know what I mean? So, um, but I think that makes, but we had to be very aware of our surroundings and accountable for the people around us that we cared about. And so it's just more people that I care about in the public now. I'm not mm -hmm. in, a, in a combat zone. I'm here in the United States. So now my teammates are the public and I'm trying to protect them and working within that environment like that and that cause more problems. Like sure. So if anybody listening wants to be a part of your training sessions or bring you in for an active shooter discussion with their team at work or something like that. Is that something that you offer where you can go to businesses and be like, let me teach you on exit routes and being able to be more situational aware in your store, let's say, or anything like that. Is that something you offer? Yes, absolutely. It's a short answer. Yeah. I was just literally on the phone talking to a company that was like, Hey, uh, can we do something about this? Sure. Um, so yeah, we bring we bring the show on the road, basically, for lack of a better word. Um, we can we can be very mobile and train anywhere in the country, um, as far as for that kind of stuff mm -hmm. to give people the tools they want. So it, it's unfortunate that that my phone has been ringing off the hook because of these situations. Mm -hmm. That's crazy to me. When all you had to do was just think that it's a possibility so now you can be proactive about your safety and the safety of others why does it take uh, i had a company that called me and I, and I won't use their name on on this but sure. they called me and they said you know dave i saw you at a convention talking about active shooter stuff and for years we've been talking about it well just yesterday we had one of our managers was shot and killed by an employee they fired the day before and i'm just like if you just talked to me two years ago we might not be having this conversation right, right now and that's how, I mean, it's, it's hard for Americans in this country to really even understand what a threat is until it hits Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's crazy. For me, it's, uh, it's never out of the realm of a possibility. And in, in my job with Homeland Security, um, we get privy to a lot of that information, too, that just, you know, it can be anyone. It could be the guy from Pendleton, New York, that takes out everyone at the Federal Mirror Building in Oklahoma. Right. He was an honorably discharged military member and a white guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, how could that be? Yeah, the guy tops was a white guy. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be a certain race, a certain gender, a certain nationality, a certain religious belief. We got crazy people all over the world. So just you got to be aware and look for those signs. And those signs are what we talk about when we're when we go to these companies and stuff. Is you know these are things that you can look for because I'd rather be preventative than reactive True. any day. We have a saying, uh, we'd rather you be mad at us on the way in than the way out. That's a very good question, or a good statement for sure. 
because yeah. if if I'm t- if I'm front loading all this information for you, then I I'm, I'm sorry. Like I I tried, you know, and it's <laughs> it's I guess scary. But have you seen? Honest question, which I'm sure drove you through the roof if you did see it. The amount of people saying I can't believe that I have to start looking for exits in the u.s and i'm like what were you doing before and it was so weird for me to see that i was like hold on like you didn't what did you do you just walked in and then you're just like oh i'll just buy my granola and go home i'm like i'm so confused i'm just like what do you mean like how do you know where you are (laughs) like they don't that's the crazy thing but i love that world but it doesn't exist do you know what i mean i love that world it doesn't exist here on this earth no it's never going to be like that and it never did exist either no like it's not just a recent thing i mean recently we've been getting it's gonna be okay (laughs) it doesn't exist (laughs) and it never will (laughs) it never will (laughs) but like it's this stuff has always happened it's just now it's more televised and it's more social like socialized that now we're the bad thing about all this happening, obviously, is that we're seeing it a lot more. But the good thing is, is that we have people like you that are now being hired to train other people, so it doesn't happen. Is or the impact of it isn't as large. Yeah, yeah. You know, social media is what I love it, but I hate it because mm-hmm. now I have instant access to what happened in Texas that right. I just heard about right now. Right, mm-hmm. like that. What and and because it's it's because someone is out there videotaping it and it's on social media now. Other people in and say Texas, for example, say, wow, man, I could be famous like that. And then the problem is, is that the news isn't what it used to be, where it was mm-hmm. just facts. And then you decide what angle you want to spin it on. And now it's like shock media sells. So now there must be a reason why. I did. Well, in this case, there actually was a reason. And it was racially motivated. And, and that just drives me nuts because we've, you know, one step forward, 500 back mm-hmm. because of some some guy who did something like this. Yeah. But um but it's portrayed as though it's like all our problem. Like, like I can't stand black people. Are you crazy? I'd give my life for, I can name a oh ton God, of them yeah. that I would, you right. know, like that. I don't even see color. Uh, military and and I've been raised in a school that was, I was probably the, the rare one over. Like it just, it just doesn't even seem like it doesn't compute, but it's made to, it's being spun to be like it's, like we're all on the same page with mm-hmm. this. Like we can't stand whatever it is, whatever topic they're, sure. you know, they're trying to spin. So, yeah. I blame social media. I blame the news for shock news because that's what, is, what sells. Mm-hmm. And that's what we watch. Because as soon as we hear it, it's like watching a train wreck, right? right? We become part of the problem and we're talking about it. You know what I mean? Exactly. But yet I find myself, wow, what happened? And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's yeah. crazy. So where are we? Where can people find you? And how can they get in touch with you if they wanted to bring you in? So I'm at an unknown road on Grand Island. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Even people on Grand Island don't know this road. So it's been like a horrible decision-making process. But I love the guy who's building this is and, and saw something in us and helped us out with this place and is phenomenal. But uh, it's hard to find. Yeah. So my business is by this word of mouth and stuff. And, and we've got some amazing customers. But we're on Grand Island right next to the KOA, just on a back road that no one knows about in Lang Boulevard. <laughs> um, Defensor Inc., you can find us on all platforms, social media, and uh, if you look, you'll find us, and uh, and uh, we'll go from there, but yeah. And then you can, just so people know where like what's inside, you can buy anything from pistols, shotguns, rifles, you have accessories and all that stuff. Is there anything that like you want to call out that's a hot item right now that you can pick up here? <laughs> pistols. That's pistols. Everyone's, yeah, right. yeah, you know, really. that's... Uh, but we, we got a lot. So um, we started out as primarily a defensive firearms 
trained thing, getting people to be able to protect themselves. And when we started selling firearms and getting into that, started to expand out. So now we have um, everything from rifles to pistols to, I didn't know anything about shotguns. The only thing I knew about shotguns is a Mossberg 500 takes off a door handle pretty good or hinges, you know? <laughs> and uh, so now I got introduced into the skeet and trap and all that stuff. And I was like, well, wow, there's actually fun in this. I didn't know it. And I can wear, I can have other colors like a Woodstock and <laughs> I can wear other things and stuff like that. So we got into that and cause there's a lot of skeet and trap communities around here and I'm starting to get into, you know, some different things that aren't just that. Um, we have a less than lethal section because I believe there, if you have other options, I really don't. There's some times where that line, I can use my firearm justifiably, but if I had, you know, pepper spray or sting ring or uh, we sell tasers, that's an option that maybe if uh, some road rage crazy person was mm. coming at me with a bat and smashing my windows and coming at me, this might be another option where I don't necessarily have to take his life, you know, because once I pull my pistol, that means I had no other option. Right. And so we, we try to come up with other things and, and work people through those scenarios to figure out, you know, hey, is this an option I should be thinking about? Cool. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining. If you have any interest in any of this, come on down. Educate yourself. That's the best thing that you can do. And uh, if you are a small business or you want some more education on active shooter situations or anything like that, Hire him, and uh, he will come and talk to you guys about it all. So thank you so much, man. We appreciate your time. Guys, thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Awesome. It was a pleasure. Awesome working thank with you. you guys again. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys coming out and checking my place out. For sure. Thank you. You're like one of three people on the island that's been here. Too, so. <laughs> thank you, guys. Really, it's awesome. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.